0: You have to stay on top of trends. Today's leaders always need to be learning. In this environment of limited resources, the only way to remain competitive is your ability to leverage your most important resource. Welcome to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. In this program, we'll dive into leadership fundamentals that are essential to your success. Now, here's your host, Tom Kriya.
1: Good Monday morning. Welcome to Voice America Radio. You're listening to the Business Channel another episode of Your Evolving Leadership Journey with your host, Tom Kriya. Each week, we invite an expert to take us on a deep dive into his or her specialty. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with servant leadership expert, Dr. Michael Frederick Koetzer. Before we explore his book, Leading Business Beyond Profit, and pick his brain, a little bit about why we're here. This show is for anyone who believes in continuous learning. For example, I'm a retired army officer and here's my journey so far. I start my career in the infantry where let's just say I learned some important lessons in humility. When I go to aviation, I learn to fly helicopters or I am humbled even more. In time, I develop enough skills and I'm finally doing what I want to do most, fly the Black Hawk. Now I'm faced with some leadership challenges. First, an important lesson, learning to empower others. Then, I learn to delegate, where I have an experience that shapes how I will lead for the rest of my career. A couple of years later, I find myself in a muddy cornfield where I'm having a heart-to-heart conversation with a junior officer. My success depends on his success. When I know he gets it, I discover that I enjoy developing leadership in others more than I do flying helicopters. I never thought that was possible. Fast forward to the end of my career, I run an ROTC program, leadership development, where we transform college students into combat officers. Leadership development, it's what I love. Like you, my leadership journey continues. We are here today because I honestly believe I am a product of the best leadership culture in the world. We can debate that. But I've invested in this radio show because I've discovered that all too often, people like you get thrust into a management position without any leadership training. You learn through trial and error. It doesn't have to be that way. I've taken the time to map out this schedule of experts. When I come across a great book, and I know the author has similar values, I want them to share their insights with you. Professional reading is important. You might say, I don't have the time, but you know it is important. So let me let, let you in on a little secret. There are a number of services that offer book summaries. I started subscribing to Soundview Executive Book Summaries so long ago, I'm afraid to tell you when. It's been decades. I enjoy reading the summaries, and sometimes I find a great author like Dr. Coates or on my own. Here's what we ask in return. When you find value in our show, be sure to like, share, and spread the word. You'll find everything related to this show at yourevolvingleadershipjourney.com. Check out our our schedule and see who's next. Look at the topics. Catch up on any episodes you missed. And continue the discussion with like-minded individuals in our LinkedIn group. Again, you'll find everything at yourevolvingleadershipjourney.com. Now, let's meet today's expert. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with our guest, Dr. Nikhil Frederick-Kotzer, also known as Charles, coming to us from Johannesburg, South Africa. Charles is the managing director and founder of Wisdomy International, a professional research and development company, and he is the author of Leading Business Beyond Profit. First, let me extend a warm welcome to Charles. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day or your evening, in
2: your case, uh, and sharing your insights with us. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for inviting me. It's a true pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I
1: met Charles about six months ago, and uh, it happened to be through the... servant leadership group that I had formed on LinkedIn, and we had a great conversation, exchanged ex- exchanged our books, and uh, I really enjoyed reading his book, and it's the reason why I want to bring it, bring that information to you here today. So, Charles, what motivated you to write Leading Business Beyond Profit?
2: Yeah, I think um, the actual problems in the world motivated me. So, in terms of the business problems, as well as problems in society, so this this book initially started out with a PhD study, where we studied um, and found that we still have a leadership crisis in the world. Uh, if we just take, for example, a few stats, fraud and corruption, for example, uh, PwC reported that globally about forty-nine percent of companies still experience corporate fraud. That's almost half of companies worldwide. If we take, for example, poverty, um, about seven seven hundred eighty-three million people are still living in poverty, economic problems such as the global financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, the European debt crisis in 2010 and, and 11, environmental problems, low work engagement problems. Uh, for example, Gallup indicated that globally employees are, only 13% of employees are, employee, are fully engaged in their work. That's a real problem in terms of productivity and, um, and profitability and so forth. So it seems like The human race has not yet resolved the leadership crisis in the world. If we can even go to wars and, and political instability, for example, the World War II claimed more than 15 million lives, and that was the cause and the outcome of four leaders. You can put those four leaders in one room, for example. So it seems like with all the billions of dollars spent on leadership development and all the thousands of books and articles and conferences that we have on leadership, we still experience a leadership problem. So for me, I wanted to find out why Why is that the reason? And maybe we should, we should apply another or a different approach, and that approach might be servant leadership. And hence then I asked the question, how do we apply servant leadership? And the reason for the book is to have tools in hand for leaders in business in order to apply servant leadership effectively.
1: That's great. Look, and one of the favorite parts of my book is this quote that you have, uh, which I actually now use and I quote in the work that I do. Um, let me read it to our listeners. Companies that did business from a foundation of love and purpose and practice servant leadership produced a 1,026% return to shareholders over a 10-year period eight times more than good to great companies. So if you would, talk to us a little bit about that quote and, you know, what its sources and why you believe servant leadership is the answer. That certainly
2: uh, is convincing for me. Yeah, sure. So the the actual research was published in a book called Firms of Endearment by the author uh, Susodia. And they conducted research and found that over a 10-year period, that servant leader... Organizations uh, produced a much more, about eight times more uh, return than the research that uh, Jim Collins produced. Good to great companies. So they found that servant leadership and love and purpose—a company that has those values—will outperform its competitors um, by eight times or a thousand. So why servant leadership is important for me is the actual results that. Research starts to indicate uh, the benefits of servant leaders. For example, uh, servant leaders will be good stewards of organizational resources. They will use it well in order to produce a great return for multiple stakeholders, not only shareholders, but also for customers, for employees, for the society, for suppliers, um, the environment, and so forth. They also have an empowerment approach to enhance performance. For example, they, they will transfer skills two employees, empower them to do the, the jobs without them, and hence uh, performance is much more sustainable. Certain leaders also are more ethical, and that's that's truly beneficial to the, the brand and the ethical conduct of companies. So, for example, if we look at KPMG or the Bearing Bank in the UK and so forth, it was one or two executives that had damaged years and years of Corporate brands in a month uh, due to e- unethical conduct. Where a servant leaders are uh, has high values and high integrity, so they do business the right way and ensure that will enhance brand awareness and so forth. And there are many other uh, benefits of servant leadership. So for example, research indicated it will enhance customer satisfaction, employee engagement, enhance productivity levels, lower safety risks. Lower employee turnover intention, it will improve the quality um, of products and services in the market, it will also reduce employee burnout and stress, which is actually uh, currently, according to the World Economic Bank, uh, work related like stress is costing the US more than 300 billion US dollars. And certainly this can reduce that. Uh, in other words, it will have a a financial impact uh, for companies. So, uh, for me, there's a whole lot of benefits um, that were scientifically prove, uh, proven why, why we need servant leaders in this world. Fantastic. So, you also
1: address in your first chapter, the leadership tri- crisis. You talk about labor, customer, and environmental explo- exploitation. And this kind of ties into what you were just talking about. What do you mean by customer Customer exploitation and false
2: needs. Could you share, please? Yes, yes, sure. So for me, uh, customer exploitation uh, involves generally four, but I think more as well, but generally four aspects. The first one is false needs, which might mean, for example, let's use the car industry. Uh, So let's say a new car manufacturer will bring out a new or launch a new model of a new car, but only Mm -hmm. a small Two weeks was done on the shape of the body, but the actual value that the customer experienced were not enhanced. The need for the customer is to get from point A to point B, and uh, there was no real value add for the customer. So the the product was just sold, and a false need were created. So the actual need is uh, to have transportation, isn't it? And so if a false need is created, then it is uh, sometimes for uh, self-serving purposes and not necess- necessarily serving the customer. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Now another thing you talked about, and, and you know, a lot of the things that you write in your book parallel what I do in my work. And and uh, let me just uh, ask you another question before I get into that. You wrote that the heart of the leader is the most effective part of leadership. Why did you make that statement in your book?
2: Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, the heart of a leader is actually crucial Uh, that is where leadership will start Uh, your heart is your intent why do you want to lead why do you want to be a leader and one can apply any other leadership style whether it's transformational transactional agile authentic name it if that is done with the wrong heart intent then certainly it will lead to destructive outcomes for Other people, for business, for shareholders, for society, and so forth. So, hence, um, servant leaders have a loving heart, a heart that wants to serve others, wants to create value for others, and that's why servant leaders are so unique. So, in generally, leaders can lead from either three heart styles a loving heart, a fearful heart, or a prideful heart. So, generally, leaders that lead from a prideful heart, they focus on self-promotion and they find their self-worth in either getting the approval of others so they will accumulate things to get approval or they want to achieve, they just want to achieve goals and in that way they feel self-worth. So if you take away all of those things then their self-worth will decline.
1: That's a great lead in too, because um, as I read your book, and uh, I'm going to point to a figure you have in chapter seven, t- specifically figure 12, the talent wheel of servant leadership. And and for our listeners, that's kind of a recap of what he had done in, uh, in just fascinating, brilliant recap of the previous chapters. And Charles uses four analogies, which are very similar to the the model that I use. And it's essentially, you know, we start off as individual contributors and then we get our first job as a manager and then we become a mid-manager and then ultimately um, maybe we get to the uh, the C-suite or the executive level. And and Charles uses these four analogies that when I read them, I just thought they were, they're so fantastic. We had a conversation months ago and I enjoyed that. Now there was one of those four quadrants that I didn't quite get or understand. And, and we'll talk about that hopefully here last. So first I have to paint a picture for you. And uh, so let me share that with you, our listeners. I want you to imagine that you have a wheel with four quadrants. And those four quadrants are uh, represent the four functions of servant leadership. And imagine that your wheel can roll in either direction because you, your, your growth and your development is going to change. So these functions describe or your continuous cycle that every servant leader must experience in order to learn, grow, and to develop. So, Charles, hopefully I've ca- captured that accurately. And if not, feel free to correct my errors. And then most important, tell us the analogies n- the analogies that you use to illustrate and describe these four functions of servant leadership. So if you would, um, and it's okay, if you'd start with your athlete uh, example or analogy, excuse me.
2: Yes, yes, sure. So the athlete, if one thinks of an athlete, I always ask the question why why do athletes compete even knowing that they will not win? For example, if someone will compete against uh, Usain Bolt, um, why even compete if you know that you will not win that race? S- so, for an athlete it's not always about the winning, but about the self-development, beating your own record. And that's that's a good principle uh, for servant leaders as well. So the athlete role is all about leading oneself effectively because we need to lead ourselves first before we can lead others so that will uh, the function there is to become a role model and ambassador for others and some of the uh, the self leadership principles included in that function is firstly self knowledge you need to know your yourself your values uh, your talents uh, personality and so forth you need to manage yourself self management that's all about emotional intelligence uh, cognitive intelligence in other words we bring in uh, all the neuroscience uh, stuff in there in order to build new habits and also self-management in terms of uh, physical energy and then also self-improvement uh, certainly just continuously need to self-improve uh, because we know if we do not continuously improve we will start to become irrelevant in a fast uh, changing world then the The last two s's is self-revealing and self-reflection so self-revealing is to discover your own uniqueness and to apply your own uniqueness and self-reflection is to continuously have the habit to self-reflect on behavior in order to become even more effective so some of the competencies uh, included in this function firstly is the uh, competence uh, to have the ability of high personal capability um, which is around personal effectiveness and wellness. And then some of the traits aligned to this function is authenticity, humility, and then also integrity. Okay, so tell me, um, why, why was humility
1: part of one of the traits for that athlete? And just just for me to recap as well, when I read that, I, I, uh, I took that as an example. Okay, this is the individual contributor that I spoke of. And you have this unique approach about saying, look, yeah, hey, even if you're not going to win, you can't compete and beat Usain Bolt, I still want to compete and I, and I want to give it my best. So perhaps that's a good segue into why you included humility as one of the traits for your athlete. Analogy.
2: Yes. So certainly, I think humility is crucial to uh, become a role model and the best to apply an athlete. Because you, you need to know also your own weaknesses. Um, you need to know and to receive feedback from others in order to grow. For example, so one cannot self-improve if one is arrogant or egocentric and maybe have the attitude in life that I, I arrived in life. I think in terms of leadership, it's a lifetime journey. One never arrives to the perfect state of leadership. It will be a continuous lifetime journey. And in order to become and to develop oneself uh, continuously, uh, for me, one needs to have humility.
1: Now, look, uh, while we're here, before we go to your next quadrant, your next analogy, go ahead and just give us similar thoughts as you did with humility on why you put authenticity and integrity as important for that individual contributor that athlete
2: yeah sure so authenticity is all about knowing yourself um, showing your true self so often what happens is leaders is is put into positions that they that does not align to personal attributes or personal talents or natural abilities and so forth, they are just put in there because that's the next step and that's the worst thing that one can do. Um, so I believe in order to be authentic, one is aware of your own strengths, uh, weaknesses and uniqueness and you align yourself with a career or a position or a leadership role that, that emphasizes and activates uh, your uniqueness and your, your own unique talents.
1: Now, let's move on to the next part, where in my model, you move from an individual contributor to a manager, and I believe you call that particular
2: person a farmer. So, go ahead. Explain to you what you mean by that. So, I use the analogy of a farmer, because if one thinks of a farmer, a farmer is someone that knows the environment quite well and knows what type of seed will fit into that environment and that weather conditions and so forth. So they will first go and find that perfect seed for the environment, plant that seed in the ground, then nurture that seed with the right amount of water, fertilizer, sunlight and so forth and continuously try to grow that seed to activate the talent of that seed to a higher purpose. And the same principles are applied for leadership. A leader needs to find the right talent out there that fits the organizational climate and culture and need to align individual purpose, individual talent and skills and so forth to the, um, the capability of the organization, the higher purpose of the organization, the vision and so forth. And once the employees plant planted into the organization, the leader needs to create the effective organizational climate and culture to activate and to grow that, that talent and to activate it and to harvest that talent to serve a higher purpose. So some of the competencies involved in there is firstly to build relationships and to empower. And some of the traits they mentioned is listening and being compassionate. Okay. And and when you
1: did that particular part of your model, um, what stood out for me or what I would have thought would be appropriate is your ability to develop others on your team. I don't remember from your book, if you wrote it, word about that specifically but if you did or you have any thoughts on that I'd like to hear your thoughts on how a farmer um, how that first-time manager needs to put in their uh, in their uh, quiver an arrow that says hey I I need to be able to be good at developing others and say coaching others what are your thoughts
2: yes absolutely so I think uh, before a leader can develop others or coach others, they must first listen to the need and to understand what are some of the support items or what the employee needs in order to execute on a goal. And after one listen, one can diagnose in terms of your levels of motivation, energy and competence, and then decide which approach is best in order to either, let's say, uh, motivation is an issue then there's a specific approach that one can use in order to enhance motivation. If competence is an issue, then certainly there's uh, some tools that one can use to enhance uh, competence. And those three aspects, um, energy, motivation and competence, are the only ones that will hinder or enhance uh, individual performance. So I think if a leader has the ability to diagnose what's the level of uh, energy, competence and motivation of their team members, and then to apply the right supporting mechanisms in order to close those gaps. And then they can serve and support and and empower the team in order to execute on uh, strategy and on goals. So just to to recap again for
1: my benefit and for the listeners as well, in your model, you put listening and compassion as the traits of the, the farmer person in the quadrant. And if I could recap, so when I asked you the question about developing others, you you did speak very much to, yeah, you have to be able to listen to coach. And when you use the word compassion, do you also mean, is that synonymous with the word empathy in your words, or is that different?
2: Yes, absolutely. So it aligns definitely well with empathy and with a behavior of care. So firstly, a leader needs to listen to understand the need and have the heart, the loving heart and the care and the empathy then to do actually something about it to serve that that employee or or to empower him or her in order to execute on the goal. So certainly, yep. So you've mentioned loving heart more than
1: once, and uh, perhaps that's what drew me so much to your book and why I liked it so much. As a retired military officer and throughout my career, I, I guess I... I treated the people on my team the way that I learned in, in my family environment, the way my parents treated me, and um, what they taught me. And I thought that was very important. And, and I, I don't know that I, were, I thought through it logically, as you've uh, articulated in your book, that I was treating them with love. But, you know, in the back of my mind, This is what I was taught, and this is the way I was going to carry myself as a leader, and this is the way I wanted to treat my people. I just wanted to throw that out there because this is part of why your book resonated so much with me. And if you had any final thoughts on that, um, please share, and then we're going to get ready to take our first break.
2: Yes, yes, sure. So I can maybe just share... Often people ask, what does love have to do with business? How does the f- uh, two fit together? But if you think about it, the core foundation of business is love. For example, trust and care are two dimensions of the being having loving behavior. And let's use a, f- a few scenarios to explain that. So for example, let's take the shareholder a relationship. A shareholder will only invest in a company if they trust the company. And if the company cares enough about the shareholder, they will ensure a decent return. So there we have uh, care and trust. The same with, let's say, customers. A customer will only buy your product or your service if they trust in your brand or in the value that that product or service will give them. And if the company cares enough about their customers, they will ensure that they launch uh, products and service to the market that, that creates high value for the customers. The same is also true with employee-employer relationships. So an, an employer will entrust resources, company values, uh, money, and so forth to employees in a hope that they care enough about the company in order to use it wisely to produce a, a return. So one can find that a key and trust, which is elements of love, is the core foundation of business. And that's why servant leaders, make sense to have it in business as they will start from a loving heart, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, this is, in my humble opinion, this is a fantastic way to, as I said earlier, to articulate what I believe to be true and why I, the examples that I had in uh, my mentors in the military and, and what I learned from them and how I wanted to carry myself. So, so I appreciate that. And we're getting ready to take a break. And so far we've been covering with Dr. Charles Kotzer, his book on or leading business beyond profit, excuse me. And we've been focusing on the talent wheel of servant leadership, which he has in chapter seven of his book. So far, we've discussed his analogies of the athlete or the individual contributor and the farmer, that first time manager. And after the break, when we come back, we're going to talk about What he calls the steward, which might be the mid-manager in my mind, and then the soldier, which he and I had a little bit of a disagreement on that, but we'll talk about that pretty soon. So stay tuned for this break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: As Tom works with leaders, something he consistently sees is their struggle with engagement and retention, then their frustration with having to repeat the employee development process again and again. What most people don't know is the answer lies in love. Once they realize that they simply need to apply the golden rule, the results are surprising. They start bringing out the best in others, they develop confident, capable employees, and they find they have more fun and freedom and less stress in their lives. Perhaps most importantly, they satisfy what they've been craving. Now they've created the culture that they and their team have always wanted. This is when Synergy takes over, and the results are astounding. The first step is critical. When you exhibit the self-awareness and humility that shows you need to learn and improve continuously, you set the example and encourage others to follow. To learn more, visit Blackhawk Leadership Development at blackhawkspeaks.com. That's blackhawkspeaks.com.
0: are listening to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you have questions or comments about the program, you may send an email to tom at blackhawkspeaks.com. Now, back to Your Evolving Leadership Journey.
1: Okay, welcome back to the Voice America Business Channel. So far, we've been talking about Servant leadership with Dr. Charles Kotzer and his book, Leading Business Beyond Profit. In the first half of our segment, we've been talking about a couple of analogies he uses, and those are for the individual contributor, the athlete is his analogy. And then we talked about next was for that that first-time manager and that example he uh, referred to as the farmer. We're getting ready now. He's going to share with us the other two quadrants of his wheel, and those would be the steward and also the soldier. So without further ado, let's me ask you my next question, sir. So, or actually go right into what you've been talking about so far you, in those two scenarios you gave us. Tell us what you believe a sewer, steward is and, and how they relate in this model of yours.
2: Yeah, sure, so the steward, if one thinks of a steward, a steward is someone that is managing someone else's property on their behalf with accountability and also with the aim to produce a return for the owner. So for leaders, that also applies, those principles apply. We as leaders need to know that we are not the owners of the company resources, finances, even our own uh, individual talents and so forth. We are mere stewards thereof. And hence the function of a steward is to monitor firstly, and to improve, secondly, and that should be done on a continuous basis. So monitoring meaning that once a high purpose vision was set for the organization, it was translated into a strategy, into individual goals and so forth. Now the leader needs to continuously monitor progress. So check-in meetings, um, performance management meetings and so forth. And this is also where performance management will decide is within this function. And then, the second um, element of this function is to improve continuously, and that relates to we need to continuously improve our products and our services according to the market needs and demands and the customer needs. We need to uh, continuously improve our processes, our systems, our policies, procedures, and so forth to stay relevant in a fast-changing world. So there's a lot of companies like Nokia and and so forth that did not continuously improve and that led to the downfall. So hence, these two elements are, are crucial uh, to monitor performance and to improve continuously. So the competence there is uh, to apply good stewardship, knowing that we are not the owners thereof, but we are mere the stewards. And we need to do, we are, we are accountable to the owner in order to produce a good return to the owner using all of the resources, talents and so forth at our disposal. And uh, the pers- uh, the personality trait there is accountability. Um, I do not think one can be a good steward without having a sense of high accountability, if that makes sense.
1: One of the things, I, I, I like that term that you're using steward and stewardship and uh, accountability. And as I reflect back on my career, there was a difference between being the manager or farmer and the steward or mid-manager. And, and what it was is I had to take a step back. And and I, I would like you to talk about that because as that mid-manager or as that steward, I had oversight of a number of things. But one of the things that I had to do is I had to let those managers, those farmers, be the ones to develop the relationships with the the individual contributors, the athletes, if you will. And so if you don't mind, talk about that a little bit because as a steward, you know, it's, it's, you, you want to get in there and you want to be able to coach and do the things you did well with those individual contributors, but you also have to take a step back and let your farmers, you know, plant the field and, and uh, develop the crops and do the things that they've got to do. So if you don't mind, talk about that, how that's also part of accountability that you have as one of the traits.
2: Yes, yes, most certainly. So, uh, so for me, the roles are are intertwined. Uh, so one can certainly, although you are, let's say, a departmental manager, you still need to apply the farmer leadership role, for example, go out and ensure alignment um, uh, to create the effective climate and culture and so forth, and also apply the athlete. You still need to continuously develop yourself and so forth. So for me, it will go hand in hand. However, when you are at, at that level, you certainly will have more responsibility in order to become a steward as well and I like the words that you used you need to step back and you need to consider that this is I'm not the owner of all the resources all the human capital the financial capital and so forth I'm mere a steward and look at the higher purpose why are we here what's the purpose of the organization and ensure that we serve that purpose continuously I think that's important
1: well, thank you for that. I mean, I appreciate that. And as I as I look at your model, and it's just impossible for me to share this particular model, because there's just so much detail in here. And you have to read the book to be able to get that. And yes, I'm plugging your book. And yes, I'm recommending your book. But I wanted the audience, the listeners to know that on the outside of the circle, he's got these uh, arrows that connect. Each, uh, the steward, um, what it takes to connect with the farmer and what it takes to connect with the soldier. In other words, the the uh, the quadrant on the left and right. And for each of the four quadrants, he does that. He's got a arrow connecting to the left and right. And what's what's the connective tissue, if you will? Uh, I'll just plug your book and encourage the listeners to, to buy it and read it because it's a refreshing read. Before we close out this steward quadrant, I just want to, for... Uh, Full disclosure, I work with an organization where we work with uh, chief executive officers and uh, those people who are predominantly faith-based and they want to be able to apply those values to the business they run. And one of the things that um, the owner of the company that I work with is focused on is, is to talk about steward leadership instead of servant leadership, or not instead of, but beyond. And that is to, to get these owners to understand that they too are stewards, that they are given the gifts of whatever field that's going to be planted in, in the, the team and the people they have to grow. And and one of the things that he, uh, this is Ken, Ken will share, Ken Gosnell, talks about is that the stewards, this is a temporary thing. You've been given this because our maker has allowed this for you to have in your life and given you the gifts. And when we talk about what's important and, and just the fact that you've been given so many talents and how you use them, it's, it's intertwined in the work I do with Ken. And, and that's, uh, That's called the CEO experience. So as we go into this next quadrant, I wanted you to just at least have that perspective of what I just shared and get into what you were described as the soldier. And then I will share with the audience the comment I made before the break in which I wasn't quite in agreement with you on that term soldier. And then we can get into that and, and kind of rehash our previous exchange. But for now, tell our listeners what you mean by the soldier quadrant.
2: If one thinks of a soldier, it's basically the the most unselfish, altruistic position that a person can uptake. They will leave all comfort behind to go and fight for a higher purpose and putting their own life on the line in order to accomplish a higher purpose that is serving other people. And uh, for me, that's the... that's the type of higher purpose vision a servant leader needs to set uh, for him or herself and for the organization in order to achieve something much greater than themselves. Hence, they have an outward in-focus. They do not only focus on the organization, on its own performance and success and so forth, but they first start with the community and how the organization will leave a legacy in society in that country and so forth how the organization will add value to people and employees uh, shareholders and so forth so for me uh, that is that's a starting point if one needs to set a high purpose vision one needs to have the attitude and the principles of being altruistic and also have the courage in order to set something way beyond uh, beyond self-interest and hence the function here is to set Translate and execute a higher purpose vision. A higher purpose vision is a vision far beyond self-interest. It is to serve multiple stakeholders. Not not only shareholders, for example, not only uh, the interest of the organization, but also of employees, of suppliers, the customer, uh, the environment, uh, society, and so forth. So there's a there's a greater higher purpose um, in there as well. And some of the competencies there is is compelling vision, in other words, to set such a high purpose vision that is inspiring to others and also to translate that into specific employee goals, a company vision, strategy and so forth so that uh, the vision is, is translated throughout to the lowest level in the organization. For example, a cleaner needs to know what is his or her contribution to the high purpose vision of the organization. So that's the, that's the translation process. And then the personal traits, importantly, of course, is um, altruism, which is a, around selflessness, and then courage.
1: So that's great. Now I want to now share with the audience, when, when I read this book, I was like, I just couldn't get my, wrap my mind around the concept of soldier because having been a military person myself, I just didn't think of a soldier as a person who uh, would come up with a compelling compelling vision that he or she had to be able to share and translate with the rest of the organization. So in my previous conversation with Dr. Kutzer, I was saying, hey, um, Charles, you know, in my mind, I look at that differently. I, When I think of what you're calling a soldier or that executive in, in my model, I'm thinking of a general officer. And we would call those people a soldier's soldier, that particular general who truly understood what it meant to take care of the troops and and did what the troops did, um, loved and which is why those types of folks, those soldier soldiers were very endearing to the troops. So what are your thoughts on that area?
2: Have you thought of that since our previous conversation? Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm, I'm quoting you as, as, as I, as I promote this book and this content uh, to say, I have a friend, Tom, he was in the army and this is actually what it is. And when you, Share that with me. That that made so much sense to me uh, to say that's that that is perfectly uh, describing um, what I intend this function to be. Wow, I'm flattered. Where, where did you say you're using <laughs> that quote? <laughs> when we do, um, we offer some training, uh, leadership development on this content, and when we share this function, uh, I. I certainly quote you in that. <laughs>
1: wow, well, thank you very, very much. Look, uh, we only have a, a limited amount of time in this particular segment, and uh, I again, I thought this was a fantastic book for anybody who is truly interested in servant leadership and and how they can apply it to their lives. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm just gonna ask him several other questions and get him to expand. Uh, we're, we're just going to pick his brain. Uh, since this isn't a live session, I've got some questions that I've got uh, set aside that we're going to ask. And we'll, we'll get as many of them in as we can. So are you ready, Dr. Kotzer? Yes, yes, sure. <laughs> so what, what are the key principles and practices of servant leadership?
2: Yeah, I think um, if we can summarize those, the first, we can summarize it in four functions. The first one is to become a role model and ambassador. Or for me, the first function is to set, translate, and execute a higher purpose vision. That's the starting point. Then one needs to become a role model and ambassador for that vision. That's all about self-leadership. Then one needs to align, care, and grow employees. And then to monitor performance and to improve uh, your systems and your uh, your processes and so forth uh, continuously. So those those four functions for me summarize... The functions um, of a servant leader. Of course, there's a lot of detail uh, beyond each and every function, but maybe that's a conversation for another session. Okay, thank you very much for that answer. Here's the next question.
1: How can servant leadership be applied in organizations?
2: Yeah, I think it should be applied from a cultural change perspective. In other words, a two-day course won't change behavior. As we want to change the heart of leaders. That's a a behavioral transformation and we know behavioral transformation will take some time, at least six to eight months or a year. Um, One needs to apply it in a cultural uh, change perspective. So of course your leadership development program should link to your values of the organization, to the purpose, higher purpose, the strategy and so forth. It also needs to link into your systems. For example your recruitment and selection system should align to servant leader principles, uh, how you how you monitor and award performance in your performance management system, how you how you remunerate uh, people in your organisation. So it needs to link to all of your talent management, recruitment and selection, um, performance management and so forth. And also in learning and development, uh, continuously one needs to share some of the successes where leaders applied, servant leadership in the organisation and what was the outcome thereof. So to share business case studies in the organization, and so forth. So, like I mentioned, one should apply servant leadership in a, in a cultural change perspective. And in my book, I, I provide some specific steps in order and phases that one can use in order to do so. Okay,
1: thank you okay. for that, that answer. Excuse me. Our next question is, how can a leader be
2: transformed into a servant leader? Yeah, I think it all starts with the heart. (laughs) As the heart is the center of servant leaders, we first need to ensure a heart transplant. And that can be done firstly to uh, become aware of your heart style. So, for example, there's a 360 assessment that one can do um, out there called the heart styles um, indicator that will give one a good idea of where are your heart at the moment in terms of leadership from the feedback from other people and once you have that awareness coaching can help in order just to uh, continue on that journey and then you can repeat that cycle to reassess and to see where do you stand ask for feedback coach and so forth and in that journey um, that's a personal transformation that one needs to do and of course all the other learning components one should include as well, Um, just to have the knowledge of servant leaders, uh, the experiential learning, uh, the coaching, the online learning, and so forth. So a multi-method approach is also good. But I think coaching in this sense um, is more important to ensure that personal transformation happens. Thank you very much. Our next
1: question is,
2: how should servant leaders be developed? Yeah, I think one should definitely not apply only one Learning method, but certainly apply different learning methods. for example, include in your le- in your program at least an online component, a classroom component, experiential assignment or challenges a component that's experiential learning how to apply the learning in the workplace or in the current context and one can also provide toolkits uh, in order to help him to apply the learning in the workplace. Then of course coaching and assessments. So if one apply a multi-learning method approach and also use micro learning because neuroscience indicated that our memory span is also so long. So to break down your content into small bits and pieces over a longer period of time is much more sustainable learning in the long run, according to research. So all of these components if one consider a servant leadership development program one needs to consider all of these components um, in there and again in my book is also a model shared on how to develop a servant leadership development program and how to implement it within your business
1: I remember reading that okay great now thank you for that answer as well now the next question is what are some of the benefits of servant leadership
2: yeah I think I shared uh, that a bit earlier as well Um, so the actual scientific Research published benefits of servant leadership include, for example, enhanced organisational performance, enhanced individual performance. It will, servant leaders will enhance the work engagement levels of employees. Uh, that will have an impact on higher productivity, lower safety risks, lower employee turnover. It will reduce the burnout and stress within organisations. Um, research also found that employees working on a servant leaders are much more creative and innovative and they have high levels of organizational commitment or they call the state corporate citizenship behavior. So there's many benefits, not only on, a, on an organizational level, but also on a team and individual level um, that servant leaders produce. Sure, that
1: makes perfect sense. Our next question is, what is a servant organization?
2: Yeah, so for me, we can cluster organizations into three categories. The first one is self-serving organizations. So those organizations will only focus on their own interests and needs and so forth. And they want generally want to take over the market, dominate and so forth. So they are only concerned about their own uh, wealth. The second organization is, let's call them non-profits. So they have an outward in focus, so they will only focus on doing good in the world and uh, leaving a legacy and so forth. However, sometimes they do not look internally and hence suffer with a lack of funds or whatever the case may be. Whereas a servant organization has both, um, the outward focus but also the inward focus. So for them, profit is like oxygen. We all need oxygen to live. However, the purpose of living is much much greater than just having oxygen. The same with a servant organization. They, they see profit as the means to do something great and to make a lasting impact in society and in people, but not the intent in itself.
1: Thank you, thank you. Okay, our final, well no, our second to last question is, how can one build a servant organization?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it comes back to culture. Firstly for me, one needs to adjust the values and the higher purpose of an organization. That's the heart of the organization and will drive and set boundaries on behavior, on where's the focus, and so forth. So one needs to firstly revise the values of the organization, the higher purpose of the organization, and maybe use those two and combine it into an organizational creed, which is a summary of the core principles and the values, and why is that important to achieve a higher purpose vision. So that's the starting point. Then, of course, all your other processes and your systems and so forth, your learning and development needs to align to those values. And, of course, it n- needs to be embedded within each and every system and conversation within the organization.
1: Fantastic. Okay. So our last question is to tie this all together. In your chapter one, you described the leadership crisis. And in closing, if you would, please summarize why you believe servant leadership is the answer to this crisis.
2: No, I think servant leaders, firstly, they start with a loving heart. They serve multiple stakeholders and they this aligns very well to the core purpose of business. Seventh leadership also includes a dimensions of all other leadership theories. However, it's also different than all other, other leadership theories and include a whole lot of other additional components that is valuable for business and for people.
1: Thank you. Now before we go, I would just like you to have the opportunity to share a little bit about your book that you'd like to reveal with the audience. And if you don't mind, tell us about, I know you're in South Africa and you've told me you do work in India, but tell us about your book and about Wisdomy and um, would like to hear more about that.
2: Yeah. So the book provides uh, practical toolkits that any leader or manager can use in order to apply these principles within business. So we try to, or I try to keep it as practical as possible and to provide a specific toolkit in order to do so and models and frameworks in order to apply so any person can pick up the book and apply these principles immediately and with our company wisdom international we aim to develop courses and also customize courses for corporates and so forth and to align it to their specific context so we will align these principles and develop content and uh, challenges and experiential assignments applications and so forth according to the needs of the organization. So we try to develop servant leaders in the world, uh, specific, uh, specifically focus on the business clients, and we do it internationally um, at the moment. So we run several courses at business schools as well, where we embed the, uh, then servant leader principles, and there's many options in there as well, either fully online or one can do it um, also with a mixed method, which is a combination of your coaching, your online, and so forth. Um, in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much, and and I, I wish you all the best in your work in that hemisphere, your hemisphere. I know that I and the listeners and those folks who are part of the the online LinkedIn group, we're all passionate about servant leadership. We believe there needs to be more in this world, and we need more of you and everybody listening to to take the message and to further it. Uh, just as simply as uh, if you go back to Robert Greenleaf, is to make this uh, a better world and uh, a better place to be in. So um, you're listening to the Voice America Business Radio. We've been listening to Dr. Charles Kotzer. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. We really appreciate it. Tune in next week for our next show. Thank you very much, and have a great rest of the week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Be sure to join host Tom Crea for another edition next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a great week.